Pick this pig. Roll this thing going here. <laughs> so we finally got it set up after a little conundrum. <laughs> All right, everybody. So this is David. And I, David, I don't know how to even pronounce your last name. It's Geiger, like Geiger counter. Geiger. We were talking about that on the drive down here. And uh, it's G-Y-G-E-R, right? Yes. Yeah, so David Geiger. And he was a firefighter before. Yes. And now he's on the, the Sheriff's Department, right? Yes. Stone County Sheriff's Department. And actually, we met David out at um, Silver Dollar City because uh, you were running detail, some kind of detail out there, right? Yeah, we're working uh, off-duty security out there. Okay. Okay. So how does one kind of get into that gig? I know it's so it's a stem of like the sheriff's department, right? Obviously. Right. Uh, the sheriff's department, they con uh, Silver Dollar City uh, contacted us to uh, do off-duty security. So when we're off-duty from the sheriff's department, they hire us to go out patrol parking lots, help them with any incidents that happen in the park. Okay. And so how many at any given time is there that, that do something like that? Like, Oh, there's quite a few of us officers yeah. that do that, but there's only one assigned to each park, the Branson Bell and also Silver Dollar City. Okay. So when that day you were probably the only guy, the yes. only, the only, I guess, police officer that would have been out there. Now they have their own security. They have their own, uh, post certified officers that also work for them. But, uh, they don't have the uh, transport or the arrest capabilities on park to do that for them. Sure. So, 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 give me like a little bit more like a background on. So, you're you came from firefighting. Were you firefighting here or? Somewhere? Yes, um, we moved here in the late seventies, kind of like the Beverly Hillbillies in reverse from Southern California, <laughs> and uh, always wanted to be a fireman. So I uh, got into the local volunteer fire department just before I was 15, uh, started ditching high school to get fire credits and, and uh, going to Columbia to get training. And by 17, I was the assistant chief of one of the local fire departments around here. Wow. And uh, I just kept going from there and got, uh, when I graduated high school, I graduated fire, the state fire academy. Uh, uh, EMS. I got my EMT license in high school, all in the same week. So it's pretty pretty busy. So yeah, no doubt. So how long did you end up? Like how? What's a career look like in that? I mean, did you go twenty years? Is there some kind of pension plan? I, or there is a pension plan, and I spent forty years total oh fighting fire. Wow. Um, part of it was volunteer, and then the rest was full time. Uh, they do have full-time careers. Uh, a lot of the local departments now have started hiring full-time firemen. They've come a long ways from just being a bunch of jump on the back of the fire truck, having a good time putting out fire guys to full-time professionals now too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, I have a little bit of knowledge in this. I was, um, I got on the fire department in Marshfield. Um, man, this has probably been 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. And it was before um, before I took a, a busier role at my my where I used to work, and and uh, that's kind of how it was there. It was like whoever would volunteer and could jump on the truck or put this big. I, I mean, really, it was almost like uh, to, it, it got to the point where it was really like about response time. Whoever could get in their pants and get out the door and get onto a a scene first had the job. Heck yeah, yeah. And, uh, man, I, I met some really cool people doing that, though. Um, but it was. It was like a lot of um, 
a lot of younger people um, that were maybe like looking for something to do, right? You know, still in high school or just out of high school, and it's kind of before they go to school. And but it was a volunteer. But now I think they had like a pay program there where you got paid per call that you went on or something. Did you guys do something like that? Yes, we did. We eventually finally started that. When I first started, it was ran by a lot of uh, older gentlemen, uh, people that had garages. The My chief was a janitor at the school. Um, so we finally got uh, paid per call, made a whopping uh, $5 per call and $3 for training nights. But uh, <laughs> Spent a lot of time repairing a lot of the older trucks. Equipment has definitely come a long ways with all of our local departments down here. Yeah. Um, it it was a blast for me. It was a dream come true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot. Like, I didn't do it very long because I, I took that I took that job. But I remember the, the hiring on process was kind of um, um, – stre- I don't know if stressful is the word, but they really put you on point. Like, at this department that I got on at, they um, – they, I walked into this room, the chief, um, the fire chief's there, and he's, yeah, come on into the board meeting and this and that, or boardroom, and there's a circle of, like, the guys that, that sit on their little firefighting board, and right out in the center of the room is a chair. A hot seat. It, it was wild, <laughs> man. I, I, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in life and been in a lot of interviews and done a lot of things for jobs, but never have I sat in a chair in the middle of the room of a circle of guys that basically just bombard you with questions. It was the weirdest thing. And I think that, that they do that to kind of put you on the spot and see how you handle it before they put you on the department. Um, long story short, I got the job, but, but yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. And, and like kind of, that whole department as a whole, they did. There was a lot of little quirks and things that they did like that, and there was a lot of chain of command stuff. It was really, it was a cool, cool setup, man. And being a, you know, the whole firefighting thing. And I don't know how every department is, but that one was pretty cool. We, uh, I grew up, like I said, in this area. So uh, with Central Taney County over in the Forsyth area, I got to deal with Branson, uh, Western Taney County a lot. Uh, some of their chiefs in the past, they were they were the cutting guys in the area. I mean, they were the top dogs in Missouri uh, Association of Firefighters and training. And so I got to start out young and learn a lot from these guys. And yeah. it was it was a very good job. Then I finally went full time. I went to Nixa and went to work full time there. And I left there and came back to be the interim, or I came back to be the fire chief of the city of Foresight and. I love my foresight people, but I like to die there because we didn't have very many action, much action. Yeah. So I left there and went to Southern Stone and finished out my my career with them, and uh, ended up being the fire chief. And just wow. just seemed like everywhere I go, I was an officer. I didn't take long to make move up the ranks. Yeah, I think, man, as a whole, it's like if you take a little initiative in life, it's there, there's so many people that just kind of put their head down and, yes. and try to get through life. And, and uh, like I, you know, my last job, I had a guy that worked for me, um, and he had been working at the same company for 10 years when I got on there. And by the time I left, you know, he'd been there almost 20 years, but he started in that position and he, and he's still there in that position to this day. Well, it's responsibility bears a lot of weight. And the more you move up in the fire department, the more responsibility you have. You have, you know, well, at one time at Southern Stone, I had over 100 
100 volunteer firefighters under my command, and you're responsible for every one of those. Yeah. So you better be ready to take the consequences if something happened. Yeah, there, there's definitely something to be said there because um, in my last job, it was the same way. It's like um, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you got it made because, you know, I maybe had lenient hours or this, but the burden of responsibility for running a business and taking care of all the employees that you have under you is worse than just showing up at 8 a.m. and working until 5 p.m. And people sure it's like is. people don't understand that responsibility burden. And, and even though, you know, you may be home at 3 o'clock, they don't realize like you have a responsibility until you fall asleep at night. And that's really what started taking a toll on me. Yes. It's it, very stressful. It is, man. And it makes you want to get off the wheel, you know. Yeah. And, and um, well, that's how I got in law enforcement too with the uh, being in the fire service. I was very interested in, in fire investigation. Uh, so I went and got my state certification as a state fire investigator and the local police guys, uh, most county officers or city officers don't deal with arson cases. And so uh, I went and got my law background so I could dig into these cases for insurance fraud and thefts and stuff like that. And so you know, I've had that now for almost 16 years. I've had my law enforcement, and it came in handy in the fire service. I bet. That's that's really a pretty impressive thing. We had, um, we had a barn burn down a couple of years ago out at our house. And it was amazing um, what, when that fire investigator came out, what he could figure out and what he could. I mean, I had no idea. You know, I had no idea what, you know, like what, yeah. what caused the fire or what it could possibly be. But, I mean, he got to where he was coming in and looking over things in our barn. And he's like, so you had one of these here. You had a fan here. He could see just in the rubble of where stuff was. Anyway, long story short, they ended up, you know, I think they deemed it an electrical fire. Electrical, yep. But – but man, he—I mean, he would—he—he he could find any little wire nut that had been used in that house at, at one point, or in that barn at one point. If you're really serious about that job, when you're a fire investigator, you can figure out a whole lot. Yeah, it's the crazy. biggest problem with convicting an arsonist is to actually—you can have an arson fire and never figure out who did it, who did it because it's very hard to convict the person that done it. Yeah, but you have to. So you can figure out game. that it was started on purpose, but yeah. it's hard to figure out who started it on purpose. Yes, and it's very. I I remember for me the whole thing was really frustrating because we had just had this horrible loss. We had livestock in there, and and we lost a lot of our stuff that we were building our house. And this this guy, and I don't know where you can kind of tread with this, but this guy just treated us like we were criminals, like we had done something, like we were arsonists, you know, and. And I know, like, I, I kind of get now, like, looking back on it, like, it's just his job. But, I mean, man, we, we had carcasses of, of livestock. They made us just lay leave lay there for, like, three, four, probably going on a week. I was going to say about a week. Yeah. You know, by the time they get in there and move everything and get everything around. Yeah, and, it was nasty, man. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the thing smoldered for a few days anyway. But ultimately, after they finally gave me the approval, I ended up just the approval. I just had a bulldozer come out and basically just shove everything down yeah. into a big ravine and then, you know, cover it. But, but I remember going through that whole process. It was just like they make you feel like you've done something wrong. And, right. And uh, actually, it's a funny story because the firefighter that showed up. We live in a small town, and uh, we didn't even know our barn was burning down. I guess our neighbor called nine one one because they heard an explosion. And we were building our house at this point, so we were living in a camper. And when you're in a camper and the air conditioners are on, that's all you hear. Yeah. It's like a, 
you know, like a wind tunnel. And uh, the we get this knock on our door at like three in the morning, and it's a it's a sheriff's deputy. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? He's like, I think your barn's on fire. And I'm like, what? No. And I peek my head out, and there's just an orange orb, you know, down in the woods, which is where the barn was. And and uh, so we went running down there. Sure enough, the thing was pretty much fully engulfed. And the first thing that came to my mind was the animals in there. We had a cow in there and some goats and chickens and stuff like that. But um, the, the, the thing that brings me to the point is uh, the fire department showed up, and it was one guy and uh looked like he just rolled out of bed you know obviously he probably did it was three in the morning he didn't even try to 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 fight the fire he's like ah it's pretty much a well it's total loss so i'm like out there i grabbed the garden hose and i'm and i was able to stop the fire from spreading onto my other barn which had all of our windows and stuff in it but that's kind of a good example of um you know those guys they'll on, on the volunteer departments, they're desperate to get anybody yes. just to show up. And and the thing is, too, you show up like that, and the whole place is involved. The biggest thing I was always concerned was what we call explo- exposures, like your other barn or cars or, yeah. you know, spreading across the field and stuff like that. Yeah. Because that first truck he showed up in, I don't know what it was, but it might only had 1,000, 1,200 gallons of water, and it's definitely not going to put out a fully involved barn, that's yep. for sure. Yeah, and that's uh, – <laughs> I was, that's what I was thinking too, but man, I just, uh, it's disheartening to sit there and watch everything you worked for go up yeah. in smoke. Yeah. Then somebody literally show up and within five minutes of getting there, yeah, it's a total loss. They don't even yeah. try, you know? So it's like, and then, um, you know, which after I think they were getting ready to leave, he's like, well, so we have a program they start trying to collect money. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, because I guess, um, in our, in our area, if you, pay an annual fee or something like that dues yeah pay your dues but they show up at the fire we just lost our barn and you're trying to collect dues from me when you didn't even put the fire out i put out my garden hose right back in those days it was dues everybody in the community you know if you wanted fire protection you paid dues so if your place was on fire and you didn't pay your dues they didn't fight your fire yeah yeah then they went to a tax-based yeah uh district wide and stuff and that helped the departments get more equipment and now they're doing the double dip policy. <laughs> yes, they are. They 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 do the uh, they do the uh, tax tax. You pay taxes for fire protection, and then they charge your insurance too. Yeah, it's so, it's wild, man. Yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on though. Like like uh, it's funny that because we just talked about this in another podcast, like with tolls. You know, like they double dip on that. You yep. take tolls and you pay taxes. That's the same thing with the fire department. I never really made those connections before, but. Yep. Yep, they're doing it. I mean, it's it's so costly though, and the taxes don't cover. Well, when a basic fire truck costs you three hundred thousand yeah. dollars, and that's with no equipment, yeah, and trying to hire people. I mean, it's it's a tough world out there. I wonder what the tax the tax that they get even in a small town is. Though. It's got to uh, be pretty good. I don't. It's been a while since I've been in there. I, yeah. I remember when I first started with Central Taney County in the city of Forsyth. Um, man, we were lucky to have twelve, twelve to twenty thousand dollars for an annual wow. budget, and that was trying to keep trucks going. And you know, it's crazy. Is that just overhead budget, or is that like payroll budget? Too? That was that was for the fireman's fund. That was to pay the firemen the five dollars and the three dollars. Uh, gas insurance. Equipment. What about to pay the fire chief? So he was volunteer. 
Yeah, he, man. He, he did it for free, man. Yeah. He did it for free. So, so when they got that boot out there on the corner, that's yeah. why. Well, that goes for Jerry's kids. That's, yeah. Yeah. You know, we can raise a serious week at Nick's. Uh, I mean, it was nothing to raise twenty-two to $30,000 in a day or two. Well, I, I don't quite get, I mean, I don't quite get how they expect somebody to do that, how they expect you or me or anybody to go volunteer all of our time to do a full-time job. Well, right? I, I know it costed my father a pretty penny every time I left work to go fight a fire, but I I was local. I yeah. was right down the street from the fire department, and my dad always said, you better go, you better go. So he was used to it, but it costed yeah. him money. Yeah, I just, man, I... I don't know. You'd think the government would figure something out of that, though, because it's just, I guess they find those people that are in those gifted circumstances where they have somebody that'll let them take away from work and go do that. Yes, there's, and it's harder and harder today to get volunteers. Um, Older guys, you know, us older guys in our 50s and 60s, if we don't want to go fight fire, we can volunteer, though, and drive a truck. Yeah. Let those young guys get in there and fight that fire, but let's get that apparatus out there. So yeah, makes a big difference. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the the one that's the most memorable to me that I was ever on, I was um, we got called out, and this was in Marshfield um, to a like an industrial building, like a big warehouse type building, and uh, a steam pipe had burst, which. At the time, I didn't know a whole lot about any of that, but those are some of the most dangerous things you can be involved on. It's like a steam pipe that yep. burst and something like that. But, um, but I just remember that being really, uh, you know, it was kind of a memorable moment because we had all these people that showed up, and when they heard it was an industrial thing, everybody showed up. Yeah, you know? it's funny too. That kind of comes back to that um, being on call thing. The good calls, everybody shows up. But if, like, uh, you get a call that, you know, somebody fell down some stairs or something yeah. like that, you know, nobody wants to go to that. Yeah, nobody wants to go grandma tumped over, you know, yeah. kind of call. Yeah, but, life alert dinged. Yeah. And, uh, but, no, this was a bit like a, a big steam fire. And uh, actually it wasn't a fire. It was just a steam pipe had burst, set their um, uh, whatever you call it, their heat detectors but, off. Yeah. And uh, so that was pretty cool. I mean, even though there wasn't anything we really fought or anything, but we just basically wandered around this big warehouse building looking for any other steam pipe leaks. Uh, the fire department always gets called out for everything. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care if it's fluffy stuck in a tree or, you know, a major town's on fire. You know, they and always get usually called the first out for to show. everything. Yeah. They're usually the first yeah. to show. They're dependable, man. <laughs> but, yeah, so so – if you were in a small town, so you probably don't have, I mean, there's probably not a whole lot. I mean, what's kind of probably your like most memorable thing you ever went to? And I would say fire, but I know that it's not always a fire that's memorable. I've been on some amazing calls. Yeah. Uh, industrial fires. Um, there at Nixa, we had a place called uh, uh, Springfield Specialty Products, um, Diversified Plastic. And when that thing lit up, I'm telling you, it lit up. It was, it was a heck of a fight. What, like a plastic factory or something? Yeah, they they made uh, they used polystyrene, which are these little pot pellets, and they would make like dash products for Jeeps and Chrysler. Oh boy! And when that dryer caught on fire, drying all those deals, you couldn't you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. Wow. I mean, we were fighting fire in, in just pitch black. Uh, right next to it was the uh, vin- vinegar plant, and they had a huge um, storage tank of raw alcohol get struck by lightning. And we had to get up on top of the building and use foam and 
try to get that out. Springfield brought us foam. Battlefield brought us foam. All these departments bought us all this foam to put this thing out. I've been in some pretty cool fires over the years. Yeah, man, I can't imagine because you mean just throwing a styrofoam cup on a fire, you can kind of see. I mean, yeah. you get a bright flame, good and hot fire, and black smoke. Black smoke. Enemy boy. number two. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think that most stuff, we were right out there on 44, you know where Marshfield is, yeah. so um, most of the calls out there were accidents. Car wrecks, yeah. Yeah, and there's some pretty nasty ones Well, around there. around here, I used, to I used to teach car extrication for the state of Missouri when I was younger, uh, but around here, I would tell everybody, you either hit a bluff or go over one, because there's no shoulders on our roads down here. You know what it is like yeah. in Marshfield, there's... There's none. So if you had a wreck, you either hit a bluff or went over one. And we've had a lot of really serious accidents down here over the last, well, 40 years. I was fighting fire and doing it. Yeah, and it's really scary for us because if we're driving the motorhome or like our big box truck build, you get on a soft shoulder and you're going right it, over. It's going to suck you over. I'm you scared all the time of just, <laughs> you know, you take your eye off the road for just a minute and you just go over to the side a little bit. If you hit that soft shoulder, that's yeah. it'll pull you right off the road. Sure will. So I've thought a lot about that. <laughs> but so um, being in Stone County, so Missouri gets a bad rap at being like a meth capital of wherever, right? And, right. And I know that getting down into like um, – Cedar Creek, uh, Forsyth, Rockaway Beach, you kind of get down in those areas. I think most of that's Taney County. Yeah, that's all Taney County. Um, we've got like Blue Eye uh, along the state line. We've got a lot of areas up around Galena, Crane. Uh, we were well known, Stone and Taney both, for being part of the biggest meth capital of the world for a long time. That's wild. So so what is a what does a call look like when you go out to something for – Used to, we'd, we'd go to one of those houses, do a raid. Uh, there'd be chemicals everywhere, just trash. It was horrible for the officers because, once again, we're in a pretty poor area. We don't have all the great equipment that uh, a lot of big cities do. So, uh, you know, now now it's went to the wayside. It's it's easier to get the Mexican meth in and not, you know, not produce it down here as much. So we're oh, not really? finding the labs and stuff like we used to in this area. Wild. Okay. What is what does a lab look like? Is it like usually like a dumpy little house and then in the basement or is it could be in the kitchen or when I was in Nixa on the fire department, right down the street from me in a nice house, three bedroom, two bathroom, two car garage, great neighborhood, they were cooking meth and they were using uh uh, can't think of the name of it, but it's red, red phosphorus. And they've even had a fire in there. They had kids in the house with their meth in the refrigerator, in the freezer. They had dirty uh, vials and the, the lab equipment and all sitting in the kids' bathtub, same bathtub. I mean, it could be, it could be in your $300,000, $400,000 neighbor's house or all the way down to a run-out trailer. That's wild. See, I never imagined anything like that. But I guess once there's that much money, those people probably move up too. Yeah. Um, but they made a movie about uh, that. I think a lot of it was shot down in there. I think it was called Winter's Bone. Winter's Bone, yeah. Yeah. I had some friends that were in that. Oh, really? Yeah, some local guys from I the knew they got local Forsyth people. area and stuff that were in there. Yeah, I think I had a great uncle or something that was in there yeah. maybe. But yeah, I mean, not that. Gr I think that was nominated for some awards. I'm not really sure yeah. why we watched it, but it was pretty true, though. Was it? 
Yeah, uh, had a lot of truth to it. Yeah, see, I I wouldn't know. I I didn't get to get around that group very often. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I hung out with them. <laughs> no, but I think you're kind of forced to be involved when you're yeah. when you're on the sheriff's department around. So, yep. so is that primarily like? Um, would you say that's kind of most of the crime rate in this area is drug? Or I it's guess it drug was. related. Yeah, uh, a lot of stealing stuff like that happens because they have to. Uh, you know, they don't get up at six o'clock in the morning and go to work like you and I. Yeah. I mean, they stay asleep all day long. They get out, they steal, go get their stuff, and buy their dope and come back home. I mean, we have a lot of thefts, and it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, man, that whole um, that whole world is just wild because it's so um, it's just not logical at all. Like uh, we used to. Um, I was in doing security and surveillance for several years, uh, almost 15 years. And being in Springfield is where we were primarily located. Um, so going, going from North Springfield to South Springfield, it's like two completely different cities. Night and day. It is, man. And in North Springfield, we were pulling murders on camera surveillance. You know, we would pull it for the police officers so they could and give them the footage. I'm sure you dealt with that. But so we would send our guys out to pull some footage, and man, they'll they will kill each other over, you know, a few bucks on a drug deal gone a, bad. Yes, they sure will. It's just it's such a wild, um, scary world, and it <laughs> to me it makes you think like if if there was ever, you know, if we ever, you know, the, that whole defund the police thing really went wild there for a while. Right? Yes, it did, and, and I, I think they're finding out that's not working as well I, as they planned. I just wonder, man, if. If, uh, you know, things just keep getting as bad as they are and, and they keep getting worse and they go south, I mean, what does a defunded police department look like or, or really just a defunded in general across government-wide? Um, and, and it's weird because you're kind of in this weird predicament on, a, on the right or in a conservative side because people don't realize the difference between, like, big government and then just state government or local government. And somebody like me, I can be all for state and local government, local police departments, local this, but I'm against big government, big brother, like trying to get involved. And I think a lot of people don't really uh, look at the differences in those. They don't. They lump it all together. Yeah. Uh, fortunately for the Stone County Sheriff's Department and even Taney County, uh, we have a lot of backing of our citizens. Our citizens are great. They they thank us all the time. They they appreciate what we do. They know we we we're not the the most richest counties around. So the guys that are working in this area, we don't make big top dollars like a lot of them do, and we do it because we like what we do and we love our people that we serve. And and it and we've got a lot of backing down here. Big brother there for a while says, hey, we're going to take everybody's gun. And I don't think there was a sheriff in the state of Missouri that didn't say, hey, we're not going to do that for you. Yeah. You know, we're here to uphold the laws for our communities and our people, and the Second Amendment stands for us. And if you're going to do that, you're going to have a fight on your hand. That's such so, a big deal, man. And it is a big deal. And and that's why I, I think that in Missouri, and, and I don't speak for all of Missouri, but I think I speak for southern Missouri, um, they've always been kind of pro-tradition, pro-gun like they pretty much vote that way the sheriffs are pretty much that way and um 
And that's kind of what we're accustomed to. But those people that, that think and talk that way, there's a reason that they get reelected. Right. And and moving from Southern California when I was a kid out here, I was I was in shock because in Southern California, I loved to hunt and fish. Uh, my father and uncle had land in Bakersfield. We would go hunt and fish. Well, when I moved out here, I could take the shotgun at 12 years old, throw it over my shoulder, walk down the local bottoms and hunt. You couldn't do that in the L.A. area. You throw a shotgun over your shoulder and every cop in the country was on you. That's so That's wild. Tough. Yeah, man, I just... Big difference. I cannot relate to people in L.A. at all. It's it's so tough just because, I mean, their their lifestyle is so, so much different than ours. So much different, yeah. And and it's 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 crazy because, it, like, there's countries that you could go to that where you have more in common. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. And uh, so it's... it's um, and, and, you know, I'm not saying that there's, I mean, those people can do the things that they want. I think it's obviously speaking in volumes of people that are leaving LA, but, um, you know, in California in a whole, but, and that's another one of those places too, where it's like Southern California is so much different than Northern California. Big difference. But Northern California doesn't have the big cities, um, like Southern California. That's has. right. So you've got, it's kind of like, um, kind of like with Chicago. Like, uh, Brandy's dad lived in Illinois for, for quite a while and we would go out there and it's like, it's all farm communities and all these things, but the laws are like city laws and you're out in like a farm community. Out in the middle of nowhereville. Yeah. And that's because Chicago's population runs that state. Yeah. And, uh, it's just a crazy thing. And to me, that's, that's another reason, like you got to kind of get things back to to small time well, government. That's like the people moving from California out here. Yeah. As soon as they get there, they're like, man, I, I just bought all this property. You know, I sold a, sold a little house out there for a million dollars. Now I built this $500,000 home and I own all this land, but my neighbor's living in a trailer or a ran down house. I want the County to clean it up. I'm sorry. It ain't yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I think one of the first things people, everybody that I know says when somebody from California moves in is, don't vote like that here. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, like the first yeah, thing you tell yeah, them. Yeah. Because, and, and that's true because man, we're all for it. Come on, do, you know, come, come, come hang out with us. Life's better over here. It really is. But it's almost like at some point, what happens if all this population's moving out of California and what's there to left to vote? I mean, who fixes the problems that are there now? Right. Is it just turn into like, it's Detroit. It's like a ghost town. Ghost right? town. Man, that's right. It's crazy. So it's like they they trash it and then they pack up and they leave and then they trash the next place. And yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll keep living our country lives out here and, you know, good neighbors. Like I said, moving out here, it was amazing to meet all the people. And I mean, we didn't lock our cars or our house for, I mean, years and years and years. You didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, and now it's changing. Times are changing, but. It's still a lot better than than living under all the rules and regulations like they have. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and kind of the thing for us too is we always live in the country. I couldn't live in in city limits anyway, and I'm sure that it's probably similar across the board when you're in the country and you can be out on your own. But um, you know, that was something for me. I never wanted to give up not having to lock my, you know, having to lock your car doors, and you know, we always lock our house door just as a safety measure, but. I'd say 90% of the time my cars aren't locked. Now we lived in Lubbock, Texas at one point cause Brandy was going to school out there, going to college. And, uh, we were in the process of moving back to Missouri 
And I think we literally were out packing. We had my truck, uh, I had a little truck and it was backed into my yard, my front yard with a trailer hooked up to it. Went inside to eat some dinner. I was maybe inside for seven to 10 minutes, came back out. Somebody rummaged through all the stuff in my pickup truck. Yeah. And somebody literally blatantly walked right in the front yard. Lights are on or right in there eating and dug through my pickup truck. And, uh, it was the craziest thing that they didn't steal anything. And, um, they had even in the console there was money in there. They didn't even take that. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, it was, and I called uh, when we called the police. They said um, they were looking for a gun. Yeah, and when they're looking for a gun, so they can commit a crime with it, and you know, and, and it's not doesn't trace back to them, right? But still, I'm thinking, man, you see fifty bucks there, go ahead and throw it in your pocket yeah. too. You know what I mean? Well, when we were kids growing up, it was nothing for us to go to the neighbors and leave a note. Hey, I borrowed your lawnmower. Or, you know, I borrowed this, you know, and they do the same vice versa to us. And nobody ever thought anything about it, you know. And nowadays you got to be a little more careful around here. But it's yeah. still still a great place to live. Yeah. It, that brings up a good point, though, because it's wild, the difference. And, like, when I was a kid, we all rode bikes everywhere. And yeah. everybody knew everybody in the neighborhood. And uh, our, our kind of our rule of thumb was just be home by dark. Yeah. But literally, we could run rampant and go wherever we wanted. And now it's like, man, you can't let your kids go anywhere. Well, back there in the 60s and 70s, my mom was known as the neighborhood discipliner. Everybody hung out at our house, played and all. But if somebody got in trouble, everybody got in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, you know, growing up out there, and we've seen the change happening and that's why my dad was like, you know, I'm done with this. I'm I'm coming back. And so he came back to Missouri. He was born and raised here. And so. Uh, so was your mom from California? Yeah, she was born and raised in California. She went, when we moved out here, she was the minority because she's Hispanic. Oh. So we, we moved to a little town called Kazee Mills. It's yeah. not Kissy Mills. Yeah. I was told that the first day on the bus by a little blonde I called blonde it Kissy headed. Mills for yeah. a long time. There was a little blonde-headed gal that was riding the bus, and I asked her, I said, well, what makes you so, know so much about it? I said, are you like the mayor? <laughs> and she goes, no, my great-grandfather founded it, and her last name was Kazee. So, wow. So I, I was put straight right away. <laughs> there is not much to that little town. No, there is not. We Actually, when we bought this piece of property we have now, we looked at a piece down in Kazee Mills. Yeah. And um, I land's cheap, man. Around it's, in there, it was yeah, then. It was but, then, yeah. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, it, man, you blink, you miss that one, and That's, that little can, town's kind of run down, right? It's yeah, well, little, there's nothing left there now. There used just to like be, those little uh, buildings on the left side of the highway, right? Yeah, it used to be a grocery store owned by the uh, uh, Sanders. Uh, used to be a grocery store had the post office in it and a feed mill or feed store and. And then across the street at the Wedge, there was a pool hall and a pizza restaurant, and all that stuff's gone so now. Cool, man. It's all gone. Yeah, there's not a lot of people that want to go in and redo and kind of fix stuff up. No. Um, my sister, they bought a – if you get down on the square anywhere, man, it's like you get into some money, um, number one, with property, real estate, and then fixing it because these 100-year-old buildings – this building we're in right now is over 100 years old. Yeah. This was an old Been bank. Been here a long time. I think this might be the oldest bi uh, building in Branson. Don't quote me on that, but I give or take a few years it is. This used to be the bank. See, I don't remember what year. Branson had a huge fire, and there was only four buildings left here. Yeah. And they started rebuilding, and that's when they put sidewalks in. Branson used to be known as – 
having the most concrete sidewalks than uh, any city in the in the uh, Taney County area. Yeah. Well, so, there's a lot of pic. There's I've seen some pictures of this place, and um, there's horses and buggies out front. Yeah. And it's all dirt all the way around it. Yep. So I'm betting it's probably probably up there. I'm thinking late 1800s or something. Yeah. This this it's old. That's for sure. Yeah. But anyway, so my sister they bought um. They bought a business or a building in, um, uh, was it Carthage? And it's an old building. And they have spent so much money just trying to update it, fix things. You know, your wiring in there is cloth housed wiring, you know, cloth (laughs) insulated. So you go to strip back wire to do any electrical and it's made out of cloth and it's falling apart because it's 100 years old. And your air conditioner's you know, or out of date and the whole building sagging off the hill. So it's such a burden and such a big thing when you buy an old building yeah. um, to try to restore it. But it really is. There's nothing quite like um, the old buildings because they're just not, they don't care anymore. There's nope. no character in anything and, anymore. And the thing is with these old buildings, we hate to see them go. Yeah. I mean, it's heritage. Yeah. It's history. That's what, you know, that's how all this got started and we hate to see them go. Well, there's a lot of people that hate history. Yeah. You know, they tear statues down and drag them around. Well, that's street. true, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't like the history, so. Yeah, I think there was a, they I had think, some. I think they pick and choose that kind of history. Yeah, that's probably true, too. <laughs> I, man, that's another thing. I just can't, I just can't fathom that. Um, you know, they always say, like, learn from history. And, and then the way that you learn from history is you remember history. But you put something in the past and you forget about it, you're probably going to find yourself making that same mistake again. Sure is. That's what we call going around that same mountain. It is, man. Or insanity where you just keep doing the same thing wrong. Like I said, my mom was Hispanic when she moved here, and there was no Hispanic people. There was no people of color in this area when we moved here in the late 70s. Yeah. And so it was when I went to school, everybody thought I was a Samoan. (laughs) <laughs> I, I get real dark. I had an afro. Uh, I, I weighed uh, I weighed two eighteen, and the, in the seventh grade was benching two twenty. So I mean, I was dark and with an afro, and everybody thought I was a Samoan from California. It's funny, man. Samoans always get that rep of being you know real big and yeah. And we went to Hawaii back in uh, I think it was early two thousands or sometime, but. There's not, it's not all, all Samoans aren't huge. No, no. (laughs) But it's funny. and. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you see a big guy like that, like, man, he must be Samoan. Well, growing up in California on our block, there was pretty much every nationality you could imagine on our, on our dead end block. And then I went to school with pretty much every nationality. And then I moved out here and walked into school at Foresight and, there's all these guys in their bell-bottom jeans, bibbed overalls, <laughs> flannel shirts, this cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got Vans tennis shoes on, Ocean Pacific shorts, and a Lightning Bolt t-shirt with a fro. Uh, yeah, yeah, I kind of stuck out. <laughs> well, that's the cool stuff now. That's making a comeback. Not the bell-bottoms, but... Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, man, and, and I think pretty much all of Missouri was, was similar to that back then. I mean, oh, my yeah. dad and, and his whole crew was from um, up in the Kansas City area. Yeah. Um, and that's how it was there, you know? It Long hair, bell bottoms, and yeah, disco, disco stuff, disco, disco whatever yeah. you're doing. Well, my dad was born and raised in the Boot Hill, in a little town called Puxico, and he went to he went out in the California in the late '40s, I think it was, to do construction work and stuff. And he finally got fed up and moved us back out here. Like I said, the Beverly Hillbillies in reverse. 
Yeah, I bet you that too. That's probably like a big income difference, right? Big income difference. So you pretty much have to make six figures out there. You have to, to make a lot of money. And luckily, yeah. he got in construction work. He put himself through school at GM Ford and Chrysler at night to uh, finally buy his own garage. He always wanted to be a mechanic. And for long, I mean, he had a big garage, a lot of customers and crazy I, that's one thing i will say about california i don't know if i've known i've known some people that have come from california but i don't think i've ever known somebody that came from california to here that didn't make something of themselves that's right it's almost like uh, the hustle and bustle is so great out there that it's when a, you get back here everybody else is just kind of lounging around and you're still hustling yep and that's pretty much how everybody from California I've ever well, they're known. They're all laid back, pretty. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, and maybe I mean, that's the older gen. Maybe that's your generation too. Yeah. You know, my generation or the people that right here behind me may not be the hustling bustlers. They're probably the they, complainers and something else. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, so the people that I'm talking about are not in my age bracket. They're older right. than I am, and they came back here and just worked their ass off. And, and a lot of them did real estate type stuff. Sure did. I know this guy, um, he sold basically one property out in California, and that one property was enough money to buy five here. That's right. And, and, that's, uh, and that's still that way today. Yeah. I, I don't understand it's, why anybody would want to buy anything in California. but Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the most beautiful state. In, it's it's in gorgeous, the but it's not it's not named the... The state's not named, you know, the land of fruits and nuts for nothing. It is, man. <laughs> it literally politics and politicians have have really ruined that. They've, man, it's tough. But but you almost you got to put it on people too. Like people are voting for these, you know, these weird policies and these weird people and all well, this trouble. And I can tell you this: my dad never registered to vote. Why? I don't know. But he never complained about the government. And he made a statement. He says, if I'm not going to take the time to vote and do that, he goes, I don't have a right to complain. But there are so many people out here that still don't vote. Uh, that would probably be good voters to yeah. get good people in. But, boy, they sure like to gripe about it. Yeah, that's kind of a concern, too. It's like, you know. I don't know, and I don't know what you do with that. I don't know how you how you get people to hit the streets and vote, but I think a lot of people feel like it's just so massive these days. Like, what difference am I really going to make? We all make a difference, no matter what. Yeah, I know. If we choose to get up and go to work every day, we're making a difference. Yeah. Uh, if we choose to not get up and go to work, we make a difference too, right. because we become a burden. Yeah. So everything we do makes a difference, whether right or wrong, good or bad, it makes a difference. Yeah. I just know, like I know from experience, I've gone into like, you come on vote day and you're going into the, or, or you, you know, you're registered to vote, gets down to the wire and you're like, my guy's leading by so much. I don't yeah. need to go in and vote. I still go. I know. And, <laughs> and I should, I think it was actually, um, I think it was the year, uh, the first time Trump ran. He was winning by so much. I'm just in Missouri. Yeah. I'm like, nah, I won't even go. Yep. But which, of course, what we thought the second time he was running too until the next morning. Till right? the next morning when everybody was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what's going on with that. Something's a little fishy. <laughs> we won't say the, the VF word, but <laughs> I'm thinking some of that maybe happened. It's kind of like the JFK stuff. We'll never know really what happened. <sighs> well, I don't, if Trump had his way, we might know. Yeah. 
But Kevin Costner made a movie about that, I think. Yeah. Did you ever see that? I watched that, yeah. Really? I, I, I don't think I've seen it, but... But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one too. I did. I got, I went down the rabbit hole of conspiracies on that there for a while actually because um, I think it was like the bullet hole that was in JFK. It was like from an AR-15 or something like that. Different round. Yeah, which is what or, or some type of gun that Secret Service carried. Yeah, and and which he may have gotten shot by the other guy, but then you know in the all the freak out one of his secret service guys accidentally shot him just trying to help him out or something but yeah. i've never i've never really dug into that i just i well, just know that something didn't something wasn't right that's right but why you know? i don't understand why hide stuff like that from the american people i they think they're protecting us uh they from think what? that this uh, late you know well yeah they they still think they're going to protect us and we don't really need to know the whole story kind of stuff but yeah, it's almost like a superior thing yeah like, we know that's all that we, that's all that matters you guys don't need to know we'll yeah, take that, care of that, it that kind of stuff drives me nuts me too you know because the only reason they know is because us little guys voted them there so they could find this stuff out yeah and then they they keep it in yeah yeah <laughs> and there's really not does. there's not very many of them that aren't like that like there's a there's probably i can count on one hand people that i still and i don't know for sure but people that i feel like have held their word and you know up to their vote and when they get up there like josh holly is one of them it's um, it's society and the peer pressure from those places sure changed a lot of good men yeah yeah and i don't know i mean that whole thing is just it's so fat it's a fascinating subject because we aren't a country we hadn't been up until this point a country where somebody could get voted into an office and make so much money we were a country of volunteers volunteers and just coming back to the firefighter things you know like a, a a senator or or whatever these people are making, they shouldn't be making millions. Oh, they're making a killing. What is it? Nancy Pelosi's husband's doing these trade deals that are worth millions, millions of dollars. And somehow, like number one, how's that not a conflict of interest, right? And number two, we should not have anybody going into public service because it's called public service. That's right. And they shouldn't be going into public service and then coming out a millionaire. It shouldn't happen. Nope, they're making a killing. It's wild, man. And yeah. and that's that's another thing about Trump. Like he's the only guy that went in there and came out with a, a lower uh uh net worth or whatever right. than when he went in. And what did he do with his paycheck every year? Donated it Donated as far as it. I as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it went to the VFW. Yeah. A lot of it was paid for our veterans and he stuff. He shed a lot of light on stuff like that, man. Yeah. Uh helping helping veterans and other stuff like it, that. You know, you get all these people that run, and you have some really good people that get in here and want to do the right thing, and people go out here and they, they try to trash them, try to make them look bad and all. Well, he has mean tweets. So, yeah, yeah. And I'll guarantee you there's not a one of them up there that hasn't done something wrong or messed up in their lives. So if I was going to run, I'd tell everybody, okay, let's get my dirty laundry out here right now. Let's get it all done. You know, I've done this. I've done that. You know, so now my competitor can't come in and say, well, you did this, you did that. You know, okay, yeah, I, I put it all out there because there isn't a person on this earth that hasn't messed up or done something wrong. Did you ever see that movie, um, Eight Mile, with, with Eminem, the no, hip-hop artist? No, I have uh-uh. Well, so it's like, uh, you know, the the he's like a up-and-coming, he's trying to make it in rap and hip-hop, and he's going to these, um, uh, basically where they have like a rap battle. 
you rap battle the other guy and whoever can talk the most shit about the other guy in a rap wins. <laughs> and uh, what made me think about this is he gets up on stage and he knows everything bad this guy is going to say about him. And he says it about himself before the guy gets before a chance the, to. Yeah. First He's talking bubble. all this shit about himself and his own rap. He's like, I know what you're going to say. And this is, this is, and he says it first. And when it's the guy's turn, he has no clue what to say. Yeah. And that's almost, I mean, that's exactly what that is. Well, we've seen it with Josh Hawley. Yeah. I mean, they ran that guy through the mill on all sorts of stuff. But like I said, there's not a one of them on the other side that is not, can go through there and say, look, I'm pristine. Yeah. We've all have faults. We've all done things. I mean, you know, and I hate bad trashing people. Yeah, and Just, usually it's it's. I mean, it usually it's worse. Like it, you've got like the Anthony Weiner guy that did all the stuff that he did, and right. And I mean, it's like every other year the Clintons are involved in some kind of hoax about them killing people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, man, it's just it's wild. Like I think that somebody even died today. Um, maybe one of the prosecutors for Clinton. Did you see that on the? No, news? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. But immediately today. they're like blowing it up because you know it's a guy that prosecuted Clinton and and he died at an early age. He's only like seventy six or something. So I think immediately everybody jumps on that Clinton must have killed him, probably bus. But <laughs> and, and I mean, there's a lot of those weird. But it's so it's so crazy how many things can be kind of drummed up as a conspiracy theory now. Oh yeah. Like, uh, if you don't believe in the set guidelines of what the media or the news is telling you to believe, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's right. If you don't believe that there may have been some voter fraud, you're a conspiracy theorist. But it's it's so weird. Um, and we're in this awkward time of uh, it's if the right is so right and the wrong is so wrong. And exactly. if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And that's death worthy. Yep. They're going to put you in that group and it's, set you out it's there. It's so weird, man. Well, I remember as a kid growing up, newscasters, you know, they would dig into whole stories, true stories. Yeah. They wouldn't take what was being passed down the street. Today, you Journalism. walk on the street, it's just, okay, I heard so-and-so did this. Okay, well, we're going to report on that. You know, they, they don't dig into stuff anymore. They just try to feed us. You know, you cannot hardly find real journalism anymore. It's, not anymore. It's so crazy, and I've got a couple examples of of who I thought were you know like real journalists, and and one of them I don't care that much for Megyn Kelly. I did I do not care much for her as a as a as a news host or whatever you want to call her news anchor, but she did man. She would she would pretty well try to kind of figure out the things that she disagreed and that she agreed with. And she would, she would say wrongdoing on both sides. Right. And the other person who's still today, and, and he is like one of my favorites is Tucker Carlson, man. Yeah. That guy will report. And that's why he's so popular. It shows he will report on stuff that nobody else is talking about. That's right. But he does the work to dig in and find out both sides. He, of the he does. I have seen him bring Republicans on there and just chew their ass. And yeah. It's like they're caught off guard because, oh, well, Fox News is supposed to be right wing, you know, and, and then he just mauls them. Yeah. But he doesn't give a shit about any of that. But in, in that's kind of where kind of like how I see myself. It's like I don't care right, left. I don't care about any of that shit. This is here's the way I feel. Here are the things that I care about. Whether you're on the right or left, if I agree with them, I don't care if you're on the right or the left. Right. It just so happens that the ref, the left, is like. Well, we forgot that we all have to learn to agree to disagree. That's right. 
You know, whether whether you take my advice or not, I put it out there, I'm going to go on. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to get all butthurt over it and whine and cry and do all this. And, and we as people, we forgot that. You know, if it's if it's it's either my way or the highway anymore, and so then they left wing you or you know right wing you, and it's yeah, it stinks out there because boy, you don't know. It is, man. You I don't can know even what's remember. Happen. I remember like high school, you get in a fight if you got in a fist fight or you got in a fight with somebody. It usually ended with a handshake, like I, I, you know, and you just don't see stuff like that anymore. You see nope. like the knockout game or kids get knocked out, and then the yeah. other guy runs like. When I was in school, even if you got in a fight with somebody, it's like, okay, bygones be bygones. We'll shake. We're good now. That's the way it was when I was in school. I, yeah. A couple of my friends and I, good friends, we went round and round. And when we were done, we were that evening at the arcade having a Coke and That's playing it, some video man. games there at the arcade. Nobody brought out knives or guns or all this stuff. Yeah. And we were the area that carried guns in our cars to school, pocket knives. Yeah, it never – we used to come to school – guys in my school would go deer hunting before school, shoot a deer, have it in the back of the truck with the rifle in the truck, and it's no big deal. We did that many a time. And to me, it still shouldn't be a big deal. (laughs) Should not be a big deal, but we – in society cannot control ourselves anymore. Yeah. We think, well, that guy said something bad about me. I'm going to go home and get a gun yeah. and shoot everybody. Stop that, man. Yeah. I mean, if he said something bad about you, go call him out, go toe to toe. And when you're done, go have a Coke. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of it, I think a lot of it's just their, uh, people are, this is this, these values and these things are instilled in them. Like you're yeah. a victim, you know, or, you have a mental problem or this is okay because you feel this way. And it's like, nobody ever just says you're a dumbass anymore. Yeah. No, no. And, and, uh, man, people have to start doing that again. Well, you know, I'd get in a fight at school. They'd spank me in school. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. Our school still do that. Yeah. I thought, we're at. I thought it was pretty yeah. funny because my mom hit harder than any of the teachers <laughs> that ever hit me. So, Plus, she was Mexican. I mean, she yeah. you just didn't give her no crap because she'd take you out right away in yeah. front of God or she anybody. She wasn't cut you any slack. Yeah. And then when you got home, you got in trouble. Yeah. You know, you know it's not right to fight and all that. You're not supposed to do that. But, you know, you got in trouble. You got spanked. And then you were outside once you changed your, out of your school clothes and had a good time. Yeah. You know, but... Boy, not anymore. You know, yeah. it's like, why did they pick on my kid? Why, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, everybody plays drives the victim, me nuts. and then they have their kid play the victim. Yeah, and um, and yeah, and and you talk about school spanking. It, we're almost in a society where parents can't even spank. Anymore. That's right. And uh, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, all that stuff is just so scary. I remember as a kid growing up, my mom didn't care if you were in the middle of the Lucky Grocery Store or Sears or J.C. Penney's. You showed out. Well, she'd nail you. Yeah, my mom was like a like a German like a like a Sherman <laughs> tank. She was slow and steady, always on you. My dad was like a tea kettle. You know, he'd spank you for stuff that happened three months ago. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, Wait for it to boil over. Yeah, he'd boil over and finally yeah. get you for everything. But it was, you know, society today, boy. I remember I watched i I work part time as a manager at Whitewater and. I see kids out there throwing fits and the way they act to their parents. Boy, you would have never done that to my mom or dad. Yeah. You'd have picked your teeth up in the backyard and picked your butt up off the ground because it's soft, man. Boy, it's it is getting so rough soft. out there. Yeah. And these, and, and, you know, look, I, I kind of have a soft spot for these parents because I know exactly how they feel. And the last thing you want to do is like, I hate yelling at my kids. I hate spanking my kids. Yeah. I hate having to do any kind of discipline to my kids just because you love your kids so much. 
But every time that I have to do anything like that, I remember to tell myself, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for them. For them. Because if you don't do this, they're going to turn out to be the shittiest human being. And and that's that's almost where we're at. It's like we've got a society full of shitty human beings. Well, then they end up at the jail with me, and I'm booking them in, and that's they stay it, at my man. motel for a while. So. Yeah. yeah they're, <laughs> but they uh, – a lot of parents today want society to take care of their children. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. you know. This has actually been a topic that we've talked about because it's like a lot of people realize that they are giving up freedom with responsibility. That's right. And they would rather give up the freedom so they don't have the responsibility as a burden. That's right. And uh, not me. I, yeah. it, it, I feel like sometimes I was born in the wrong era because I feel like I would have made it really good like on a homestead. Yeah farming, hunting, and just the harder you work, the better life you live. Yeah. That That's the way it used to be. That's right. And now it's like working hard means you're not around your family. You're not around your kids. You're in an office somewhere, and you're grinding away to make somebody else a lot of money. That's what working hard that's, is now. Well, yeah, and the problem is, too, you go out and you work really hard. You can't get ahead because things are so inflated. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So then your wife has to go to work. So who's there to take care of your kids? Yeah. You know, they, they miss out on a lot of stuff, family time. Family time is very important with your children. Yeah. That's where they get their their sense of well-being, their love, their, you know, and a lot of them show out because that's the only attention they get. The only time they get is because mom and dad will pay attention to me then because I'm in trouble. That's it, man. It's like so, a Google review. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. You get them for the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I can definitely see – I see that a lot. Like, you know, if your parents are too busy, and they, and they do do a good job portraying that in movies. Oh, because yeah. if, uh, you know, if your dad doesn't ever pay attention to me, but if I throw a rock at his Corvette, he's yeah. going to pay attention to me. That's right. So, yeah. but Well, well that even started back in Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, the, the friend's Took, dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gosh, <laughs> that's right, man. That's a good movie, too. Uh, I'm showing my age for sure. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say earlier. It's like, you know, you and I have got a pretty big gap between us, 30 years probably, but we're sitting here talking about things in high school the, the way they were then in your high school days and then my high school days. So just think from that time frame to that time frame, not much changed. Yeah. And then going from my time to what we are now, which is probably 15, 16 years now, probably, yeah, yeah, 16, 18 years. It's changed it's so changed much. It's changed dramatic. I yeah. go back to, I spend a lot of time at the schools and stuff. I like to watch the sports. My friends, uh, my children never played any sports. Uh, my daughter didn't like to sweat. My my son was more interested in rules than learning the actual sport. And uh, so never did that. So a lot of my friends that work with me and I'm around, I go to their kids' events and, and root them on and watch and have a good time. But you go back to these schools and you look and see what's going on, man, it's really changed. It is. It is. The it's, last 15, 18 years, it's really changed. Yeah. You know, a, a really popular saying when I was younger was, um, what is it, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt. What the hell happened to that? Well, they did if they threw a dictionary at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and we got hit <laughs> with a few That was the comeback. Those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but honestly, man, you cannot go anywhere. I think it was um, Connor told me it was at their school. Um, I guess the principal came in. Uh, maybe this was the end of last year or something. And they had a kid, a boy, that was wearing a dress around school, right? And which whatever 
you know, if his parents are cool with it and he that's the way he feels comfortable, whatever. It's his thing. That's right. But for the principal to come into every classroom and say to all these teenage boys, you're not allowed to say gay anymore is absolutely asinine. It's not right. And and gay has always been just like a, you know, that's gay. That's This yeah. is gay. That's gay. I still do. Well, I probably still did that up until recently, you know, because it just sounds, you know, a guy as old as me, it sounds yeah. stupid saying stuff like that. But um, but no, the, my first reaction to it was like, I mean, if I was Connor and I was that kid in that school, I would have said to the principal, that's gay <laughs> yeah. when he told me that. Well, the, the thing is, before my error, the word gay was in a lot of songs. Okay. Gay meant you were happy, you were free, you were having a good time, life was good. And today, those old songs have been changed. They don't say the word gay in a lot of them. When they sing yeah. them, they say other things. It's wild, man. Uh, you know, I always, when we were growing up, we had we had a uh, uh, two men lived across the street from us, great guys, nothing wrong with them, and they were homosexual. To yeah. me, that was homosexual, not gay, because when I was growing up, we didn't really use the word gay for that. You yeah. know, it was still in the time of of having a good time, a gay old time, you know, and, you know, <laughs> yeah, stuff see, like that. You're showing age now. Nowadays, no, no. you don't. No, you gay, gay meant gay in my age. Yeah, like, and if we saw two age, dudes that looked gay, we'd say those guys are gay. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of why it became this slang thing. You know, your friend's acting like a jackass. You'd say, quit being so gay. Yeah. You know, and it was just like, it was like a quick, witty comeback. And it's, it's almost like if we have to start censoring um, words that just hurt people's feelings, but may, may not be, uh, you know, really derogatory. Which to me, gay is not a derogatory really uh, word. I wouldn't call it a curse word, um, but it's kind of like, um, you know, with with uh, little people or midgets or dwarfs or whatever they want to be called nowadays. It's like you can't call them a midget. You know, you're supposed to call them a dwarf or a little person or something like that. But it's like, who gets to decide what words upset? Society. Society. <laughs> yeah. You could you could walk up here right now and you could look at me and go, Wow, Geiger, you're pretty fat. Okay. <laughs> I grew up that way. Yeah. I was always I mean my family, I was even called Chubby in my family. You know, that was one of my nicknames. Yeah. I mean, who cares? Yeah. I know I am. I say more know? stuff about myself being fat than me anybody too. else does. I do all the time. Yeah. And I, I do get in the habit of like, I'll say things because I'm pretty outspoken. Like the first, when you sat down in here and the light hit your head, the first thing I said was something about your bald head. Yeah, it's shining. And, and to me, it's <laughs> never about like, like I'm not trying to like punch down at somebody. No. To me, it's like, but it was the truth. Yeah, that see, that's kind of my problem. Is I kind of just whatever comes to mind, yep. I say it, and I would expect people to do the same to me. But I'm not really soft skinned. I don't get that me upset. Either. So when we're in such a society that's so like everything you say upsets somebody, um, I think the reason why is because as Americans, we haven't had anything to really be upset about in a long time. Been a long time. And until we have something to truly be upset about, I watched a documentary or something on the Civil War, um, I don't know, a few nights ago. Those were hard times. When they? they you could go around screaming the most profane words right now, and nobody would even care. Nope. Because you actually had real problems back then. You sure did. And it was just so wild, man. I mean, you go into battle on 30,000 people, uh, and we were all Americans. 30,000 people are dead. Yeah. Killing brothers, uncles, yeah. nephews, you know, 
and now you're worried about one kid that's wearing a dress around a middle school. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's uh, it's wild, man, and it's going to take something to, to, to wake us up. Society's getting rough, man. Yeah, yeah. We don't start making some changes and start learning to uh, stand up for one another and, and, and what's right, uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt. Yeah. Well, I think it's, yeah, I don't know who first said this, but like every big, strong world power has been brought to their knees at some point. And maybe we're almost to that point. I mean, yeah. we've, we've been on cloud nine since the beginning. Yeah. I don't worry about myself with this society and things going on. I worry about my children's children, you know, children like your children. What's yeah. the next 10, 15, 20 years going to bring in this country yeah. if we don't start making some changes soon? Yeah. I don't know, man. We are so divided right now. I see. I worry. I worry about the long term too. But I, I would, I would go to say, if I, if I thought over the next ten years it was going to be worse than over the next twenty years, I would say every day of the week. Yeah. I am more scared about what's to come in the next five to ten years than the way it'll be in twenty years. I think in twenty years we're going to go through a hard time. I think we're going to come to the realization that all the crap that we think is hard right now isn't so hard. Nope. And in 20 years, hopefully we kind of do a reset. And look, I mean, we can learn from our mistakes because our country has had racism and slavery and, um, you know, against gays or whatever, whatever you want to call that. But it's like now they try to, the, the envelope is trying to be pushed so far the other direction um, there's not been a country that's been created without slavery and there hasn't been a race of people that hasn't been a slave. That's right. You know, so like, I think there was talk about, um, kind of giving some kind of, uh, financial, you know, handouts for people that have had ancestors that have been a slave at some point. You better get that handout ready for every single person in the United States because somebody's ancestor at one time or another has been a slave. Yeah. The only true Americans were the American Indians. Yeah. They were here first, and then the rest of us come in and started kicking them around. That's it, man. And, I mean, come on. I kind of have an unpopular opinion about that because every time people talk about Indians, you know, usually people talk so highly of, oh, Indian this and Indian that, and they were the people, and I'm thinking, yeah, we kicked their ass to move in here, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And and uh, so my opinion on that's really kind of unpopular, but that's human nature. It's it, like find, conquer, and, and take over. Yep. And there's always going to be somebody else that's going to do it. Right. It's kind of like the the you know there's always going to be somebody bigger and stronger. Well, even the even the uh, the in Mexico, even the Mexicans came up and you know they they fought with the Indians all the years and stuff. Or the Spaniards. Every I mean, everybody's yeah. done something like that. So there's when people say you know well we're we're a melting pot. Everybody in this United States has been melted together so much it's not funny i have uh, i've had people say hey said you know you're you're half mexican don't don't you think these people from mexico and haiti and all should cross that border for free i'm like no <laughs> you don't. know usually it's people that have that kind of background and heritage they yeah. say no my 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 grandfather got a work visa worked hard came to the united states uh, worked hard farming, worked hard uh, repairing wooden water lines. I mean, he he raised his kids here. He worked hard and all. That's the American dream. That's it. The, the Chinese people that came in and worked the railroads and worked hard to live and survive and all, 
that's the American dream. Yeah. But to and those are the immigrants that people are talking about yeah. when they say those things. When yeah. they say we immigrated here. Not the people that are coming over and breaking the law literally is their first their right. first thing here, their first step in our country, they're breaking the law. Yep. And so we're gonna give them food, we're gonna give them financial backing, yep. we're gonna give them a free ride to yep. Washington. Yeah. All these left people, man, <laughs> all these left people, they come on the news and they say, All right. You know, our country was built on the backs of immigrants. And really, I mean, in reality, we're all immigrants. We're all immigrants. But they aren't the immigrants then that built this country, that what we have rummaging across the border looking for That's free right. stuff now. Well, my father's family, they came from pretty much, I'm going to say Germany or somewhere over there that with the last name Geiger. And obviously they wasn't the brightest because everybody that has the last name Geiger is G-E-I-G-E-R. <laughs> so somebody else spelled it for him <laughs> because it was G-Y-G-E-R, yeah, you know. But, I mean, they came here. They, they, they did everything they had to. They went to the swamps in southeast Missouri. They cleared the swamps. They raised the family. They raised the farm. That's the American dream. That's it, man. That's it, man. And so we're all just a huge melting pot, but – you shouldn't get all these free handouts. You no, know? and I think that a lot of these, and, and you brought up Hispanics, I think a lot of these people that work their butts off to get here the right way, they, and I don't want to say, I, I think that the Democrats really think that that's going to, I think that's going to bite them in the ass, man. I think that they're they're, they're trying to get all these people here, um, and they think that they're going to get those votes, but I don't think they're going to. I think at the end of the day, these people probably – vote more conservative than they realize. There's, there's a lot of Hispanic people I've watched on the news and stuff that, yes, they did come over here illegally, but yet they've worked hard. Now yeah. they're paying taxes. They got their citizenships. They don't want those people coming up here either yeah. because they did what was right. Yeah. And the majority want to do what's right. But for these that are coming right now, they're sending, a, you know, Criminals, drug addicts, murderers. Oh, you're and starting to sound just, like Trump now. We're just opening <laughs> it all up. I yeah. mean, and, and and any nationality can do that. I mean, it's just not Mexican. I or got Hispanics a buddy that came here from all, Russia. So. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I'd like to get him on here because um, their story is really interesting. And um, they came from Russia. I think they came over on a workers work visa or something like that with his parents. Anyway, they just now got got able to be legal, and be they've legal. been here forever. Yeah, and he and his family are some of the hardest working people I've ever known in my entire life. And the crazy thing is, they are more patriotic, proud Americans than most full Americans. Yeah, people that were born and raised here all their life, generation That's after great. generation. Well, they just take for granted, man. Yeah, and these guys, you know, they know what they came from. They know how great it is here. It's it's like. Uh, you know, it's like that uh, basketball player that just got arrested over in Russia, yeah. right? Like, they want to do all this bitching and complaining here about the stupidest things, and she breaks one little law that would get you a slap on the wrist here, and she's in prison for nine years over there. Yes, right. Now, you want to talk about um, oppression or all these problems that we have, go to a different country that, that lives that way, and you'll understand that you're not in that. But what's amazing is that you know, she, she it's it's out there. There are videos, everything. She talked about all the oppression on her and 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 how bad the United States was to her, uh, black people and oh, all boy. this other stuff. But yet, who was the first one she started crying to when she ended up getting this sentence? 
you know, everybody's like, well, we need to go get her. We need to go get her. Uh, she made that choice. Yeah. I make choices. I'm in debt. I made choices. Nobody's coming and bailing me out. Yeah. I think that's so, the whole the whole talk on the student loan stuff too, right? It's yeah, like, well, that's a lot of it too. I'm, I'm happy for my kids. My, my son worked hard. He's paid a lot of his debt off. Yeah. My daughter the same way. They work hard. They, they both have held a job down ever since they were young. Yeah. And they went to school. You know, I'm happy for them, but I still don't think it's right. Yeah, and that's wild. my opinion. It's wild, though, man, because yeah. it, I think it was Mike Rowe that said, um, he said, you know, I've got a lot of friends that they chose not to go to college. They chose to go straight into the work field. And they maybe started a business in excavating, and they bought a backhoe or they bought a bobcat, and that cost them $30,000. Yeah. Are you going to pay them back for that? Because here's the thing. They started paying into the economy. They they chose. But our, our country has gotten this, um, and it's weird. We've got this thing. We have the we have these certain, uh, we, I'll just say they're traditions. You graduate high school. You go to college. You get a degree. You live in your dorm room. You go through your little party phase, and then you go out and you get on with the world. And it's almost like this path that you're supposed to take as an American to live the American dream. Right. And the funny thing is, as an adult, if I take a step back and I look at that path, that path is really expensive. And I end up paying a lot of money into the system with that path. Yes. And that's the, the honestly, my biggest fear in this country is that literally every path in this country involves shelling a lot of money out to entities of healthcare or college education or government. And everything is so money motivated, and it's almost like whoever you know. Our country is open to the highest bidder, is what it feels like. I would have went to college if I could have afforded it. Yeah, I couldn't afford it, so I chose to uh, do um, labor careers. I I could not afford to go to college. I would have loved like a tech to. school or something. So I I chose firefighting. I chose EMS. Two weeks out of high school, I went to work for Taney County Ambulance. Yeah. I mean, that was my field. I chose that field. First thing, I've always been a servant of the people. I love serving and helping people. But uh, it uh, never made me very good money, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, you it, need to be uh, a senator. Yeah, it costed me a lot. So, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I couldn't put that burden on my parents. Yeah. I mean, they, they were hardworking. My dad worked every day, seven days a week from sunup, sundown didn't put that burden on him. So yeah. it was my choice not to go to college. Yeah. I didn't want the huge debt. I couldn't afford it. Couldn't make enough money in the area I lived in to afford it and all. About 10, 12 years ago, I thought about going to nursing school. Once again, I was like, oh, I just can't eat that debt. Yeah, I can't do it. Mm. So, you know, maybe Wonder I should have. how many people they're scaring away. Well, maybe I should have because, see, now I would have been, I'd have been debt free. Yeah. You know? Making pretty good salary, traveling nurses, all I don't that need, stuff I, make a I'm killing. I'm not sure man. I could even say you'd be debt-free because college is so freaking expensive. Oh, it's high. Brandy's, this, I mean, if this doll goes through, that won't even make a dent in, yeah. in what we have. Well, luckily, like for my son, he's worked hard, pays a lot on his schooling and stuff. He's, Has he been paying through he, this, he, though? Because it's so, all been postponed. So paid through what? So through through COVID, Biden keeps extending out the, the non-payment plan where you don't have yeah. to make any payments. Uh, he's making his payments. He's really? been staying up on. It. He's hardworking, and See, I he, don't gets, know how that he works. gets a good a good uh, bonus every year and stuff. But he earns it. Yeah, the kids on kids online all the time working, and that's good. 
So is I he mean, doing something I'm happy remote? for him. He well, he works for USAA Insurance. Oh, okay. Um, great company to work for, and he works in San Antonio at the main office down there, and they fly him across the country to do stuff. Yeah. He makes security programs, fixes programs, does all sorts of stuff. Can't can't put a headlight in his car, but the kid can <laughs> kid can do that, you know. So I had a, my old CEO is like that because yeah. I saw a lot of similarities between me and him, and I think he did too. And we used to talk about that, but man, when it came to that, there's no similarities. He's like, I don't even know how to start a lawnmower. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, my son, like I said, man, he is. And you put him in that computer stuff. He's got a genius IQ. Yeah. But when it comes to working on his car, he calls dad. Yeah. Uh, and I just soon he was. <laughs> the old I don't country want boy. Him, yeah, I don't want him to mess anything up. Yeah. So. <laughs> Where You said he lives out in Houston? In San Antonio. Oh, San Antonio. Yeah, he's been there for quite a few years now. Yeah. So. And that's a cool town. It's an awesome town. That uh, Riverwalk stuff, so cool. Yeah. They've had a lot of crime <laughs> stuff going on out there, though, right? Yeah, they've had a lot. They've... Me and my uh, my wife and my my daughter, well, my ex wife, uh, she uh, we were there visiting, and I was standing in the parking lot one night just to enjoying the nice cool air because it was hot that day. And yeah. Next thing I hear is six gunshots ring out, two cars go flying by, you know, and all, and here I am, uh. ducked down behind a car, got my gun out, cop mode, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff, and it was, you know, the crime. The, what they were there for? A guy went over there to buy a pair of tennis shoes from another guy and the guy held him up and put a couple of rounds one in the butt cheek and one in the thigh in the guy and wild, luckily man. they took off to the hospital but they got him they got it all yeah. figured out but i'm standing in the parking lot over a pair of tennis shoes it's crazy yeah man. i'll shoot you dead over a pair it of tennis shoes it is so shoes, weird I, it was a few years ago they started having those craigslist and facebook marketplace scares because yeah. um, people would come to an agreement on on an item to buy and then the person showing up with supposedly the item for sale would kill the person that came to buy the item and steal That's a couple right. grand from them. Steal the money. Like it's just wild that we're you know that that there's a, we're in a place in society where taking a life is worth two grand. Oh yeah, or less, or a less. Pair of shoes. Look how many convenience stores. Yeah, clerks fifty dollars in cash. You know, come on, man. I've seen some wild stuff just recently on YouTube. There was um. We saw one. Um, this kid goes into a um, he goes into a convenience or it's some kind of little store, some kind of little market or something like that, and he's gonna hold the place up for what, just register money. Yeah, and the dude like pulls out a knife and stabs this kid, man. And like I don't know, there's kind of a soft spot in my heart. It's like I know that this kid probably just. Like, he's so brainwashed. People are so brainwashed this day and age. Like, he thinks that he can go and rob that place, and there's no repercussions. Right. And he's probably not that bad of a kid. Con, why don't you see if you can pull that up for us real quick on, on YouTube. Uh, pull up uh, kid uh, kid gets stabbed uh, robbing store, something like that on YouTube. But it's just, man, it's so crazy. Like, um, these young people. Did you see that video that was caught on um, – a ring camera where the dad shot the guy. Shot the guy that was trying to yeah. get into his house. Yeah, he like, had to man, get to his daughter. Like a lot of people are like, you know, everybody's all about, oh, you got what he deserved and this and that. And it's like, man, that's like a 17, 18-year-old kid. Young man. He was and, young. And that's just tough for me because, look, I'm the first person, like, I, you know, I'm, I've am i got guns. And everybody pretty well knows, like, don't break in my house. Um but that's a hard call for me right there. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to shoot that kid. Uh, I don't think I'm going to shoot that kid. Like, like I would like to think that you know 
you know, you know his family or you know him, you know, if he's been dating your daughter for any amount of time, um, you know kind of the way he is. And, and I don't know, man, people, kids are young and they go through these hard where they feel like they're in love and these relationships. And I know you feel like it's the end of the world when you're, when your significant other or whatever leaves right. you and, and you're just like helpless, right? Well, you could tell that kid was on something. I mean, he was definitely on something. Yeah, he definitely like but, had a mo, you know, something in his mind. But, you know, if he came in my house, he'd probably meet my foot first. Exactly. And then if he pulled a gun or a knife, yeah. he'd meet the end of my gun. Yeah. I mean, if you could yeah. see, like to me, my thing is always kind of like if you see something that's life-threatening, if he yeah. had a knife even. Yeah. If he had any kind of weapon, I can justify, justify shooting him. Justify shooting him. But you can tell in, in the videos, like, he's just, he's... Trying to force his way through the door. He's forcing his way through the door, and he's hell-bent on, like, his girlfriend's leaving him, and he's, you know... Yeah. I don't want to try to get in the mind of this kid, but it didn't seem to me like he was intent on hurting somebody. He right. just didn't know what to do. Yep. That it, was crazy. It, it was, man. Uh, keep going, Con. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Uh, or wait, that might be it right there. Uh, no, he shot my arm off. I've seen that one too. Man, this is crazy. Oh, that though. was the one where the older man got the guy with the shotgun. I've seen that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? It probably won't even let us watch it because we're not signed in yet. Um, oh, uh, Con, put, uh, put in the one uh, where the guy up at the top go to the search bar and put in uh, put in the uh, kid shot and ring doorbell. Let's look at that one. But but yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's a, that's such a but hard. But you know, call. it's it's hard to make a call on either one of their stands because first thing, I don't know what kind of shape that man was in. I yeah. mean, I don't know how old he was. Don't know what kind of shape he was in. Yeah. Uh, don't know what kind of shape his family or anything was in. But you know, if 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 I'm an older guy, sixty seventy years old, and some kid's kicking in my door and I'm feeble and I can't, you know, as soon as he stepped through that door. I'd probably give him a mind adjustment. Yeah, well, let me ask you, you know. this. Let me ask you this. And I know it's hard to kind of look at things. and It's and, tough and, being an armchair quarterback. It man. is, man. <laughs> but but let me ask you, like, what about whatever happened to warning shots? Oh, oh the ammo's too expensive, they say. <laughs> <laughs> but but honestly, and not even not even from the kid's point of view, but now yeah. you have to live with that. Oh, he has to You're live with that. You're the man that just killed this kid. That's right. And to me, and this may be a selfish way of thinking about it, but I don't want that on my conscience unless it absolutely it's, has to be. Every law enforcement officer that leaves their yeah, house that every con. morning has to make that decision. I know. Am I coming home? Yeah. Turn the volume all the way down here. Yeah, you know, is it? am I coming home? Am I going to be able to react and, and, you know, save my life or save somebody else's life? Yeah. Oh, this looks like uh This is when they were just getting home. Okay. I guess he was sitting in the driveway, from what I understand, when they were coming home. Yeah, there he is. I mean, he definitely looks like like he's up to like he's obviously got something on his mind. And, yeah. And and maybe that's just hurt and heartache, I don't know, but what's that? That's the door jam when he kicked it open. He pulled the screws right mm. out of the door jam. Yeah. I mean he was meaning to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, yeah, you, his mental state was not yeah. right. You can tell by those eye blinks and stuff. To me, I yeah. mean, there's almost that look in in their eye where it's yeah. like they're not there right now. Nobody's home. 
Now, didn't he shoot? Did he shoot through? So he let he got through the big door, but did he, he shoot through, through the, the glass door. door? Is that what he shot through? Or did see? I guess the way that I kind of understood it. Okay, yep, there it is. And that's the girlfriend, I guess. And that's the dad. Yeah, he looks pretty old. Oh man, see that's that's tough for all of them, man. Yeah, especially the the dad and the daughter. They got to live with that now. You can see the look on the dad's face. Yeah, he looks know. he looks pretty heartbroken. But see, when he came through that door, that's you know he got the jam broke open, and and he warned the kid, "I've got a gun." Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. See, if you look right there, that glass door is open. Yeah, the back, the the uh, like screen door, storm door. We call them a storm door. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you always hear people, it, but I've always said this. Like if, a, oh, they blurted out on this one, huh? Yeah. Um, I've always said this. Like, man, I would shoot to 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 injure, you know. It's and, hard. That's and, and I know in that split section, second yeah. man. I mean, it's shoot low. You don't know. Shoot low. You don't know what's gonna happen. Shoot somebody's legs out. Yeah, from you under. shoot shoot him in the leg and clip a femur, the artery in the in yeah. the femur. Yeah. Better chance than shooting chest or head, though. So. But yeah, I mean, I especially if you're, you know, if you're that scared. There's somebody that. Yeah, that's just wild. You know, that's the front door, so I don't know if that's what I heard. He shot through the glass of the door, so yeah. the door wasn't even all the way open. He shot through it. Well, he got it open at some point because he had it ripped Kicked apart. In. You know, they did that after he was dead already. <laughs> 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 oh great here we go <laughs> no yeah it definitely looks like he he kicked it in pretty well got in and he made the shots yeah he probably shoved it back closed and then and then shot yeah that's tough man okay con you can cut it life life is rough and it's getting rougher yeah yeah and it's it's these split second decisions man that, that change everything and and uh I don't know. We used to have this conversation a lot, though, a brother of mine and me. Um, he's really liberal now. Um, but he used to have a bunch of guns, and, and uh, he would always talk about, oh, you know, he was one of those people that talked really badass but would probably fold under pressure. And uh, he used to always talk about what he would do oh, if somebody broke in, and I'm always like, man, I don't know what I would do. Like, that, th those decisions that you make in that little amount of time are – life-changing well we all like to talk big we yeah. all like to talk tough but when it actually comes down to that situation yeah we don't know how we're going to react yeah. until it's our turn typically i don't like to talk tough because then i feel like i gotta live up to it yeah <laughs> so well, i usually talk down that's that's like my mind thought when i was a firefighter all the time yeah. i was coming home I don't care what the situation was, I was coming home. Yeah. Still that way in law enforcement. I don't care what the situation is, I'm coming home. I, I you know, when I was a firefighter, I had a wife and two kids I had to take care of, and and there was nothing that was going to stop me from coming home. Yeah. I don't care how big the fire was. I don't care how big the chemical spill. Yeah. You know, I had that determination because I wanted to live. So. And not taking unnecessary risks. Yeah. You know. Being smart, that that goes a long way. Just just knowing risk and knowing your limitations. But but yeah, man, just to to kind of touch on the whole home breaking thing, like like you know what I was getting at. It's like he he would talk, oh, you know, I would shoot and kill this person, do that. And I'm thinking, I always thought like the bigger picture, like 
I don't want to ruin my life because some guy broke into my house. That's right. And taking a life, it's a real burden on you. And I've seen it, man. Um, my brother-in-law, his name's Mike. He was in Fallujah in 2003 and uh, uh, did a couple of tours over there. Ended up getting out and got hit with a grenade and got, got brought home. But it takes a toll on you taking a life. Sure does. Um, not to mention most of these break-ins and stuff are usually like kids you know, younger kids. Young kids, yeah. yeah. And so you're taking like a young kid's life that just made a stupid decision one night. Yep. So, yeah, it would take a lot for me to shoot and kill somebody. I mean, I'd have to really feel like me or a family member was really in life danger. That's um, right. And uh, But, yeah, until – and actually, I've been in a position very similar to that one. Um, it was before I owned any guns. Yeah. I was younger. Um, Connor wasn't even born yet. And Brandy and I had just um, – moved into an apartment we were poor and uh we lived uh in a bad side of town of lubbock texas and uh, i was sitting there on my computer one night and we lived on the very end of a balcony so the only people that would have come up and to the end where our door is are people that are coming to our house because there was nothing else down the row i saw somebody go running by my window i'm like what the hell who's that so like you know, your very first thought is you're thinking logically, like, oh, my sister lived down the road. I'm like, what the hell is she doing here at 3 in the morning? That's what I thought. Maybe right. it's them. And then, boom, it clicked to me. She wouldn't be here at 3 in the morning. And I got up, and I ran out of my room, and, and I used to always harp on Brandy to lock the door. But she grew up in a – I grew up really poor. She grew up kind of middle class. They never locked their door or anything like that. We always did. There was just such a difference in, in the way that we grew up. Um, but I went in and I ran in there and I saw the deadbolt was unlocked and I was flying to lock that deadbolt. And right as I got close to it, the door came open. Oh boy. And there's this guy standing there probably about your size. And back, back then, man, I, when Brandy and I first got married, I was like, you know, 160 pounds and sc- just a scrawny kid, you know, I was 18. And, uh, I was all I could do just to shove this guy out the door and then slam the door and and flip the deadbolt. And then I ran back around in my little apartment, went back to the window to look out, and here come three cops. They were chasing him. Chasing he was looking for guy. a place to hide. Yeah. And he'd probably tried every damn door on that top balcony and yeah. he got to ours, it was unlocked, and he was coming Ooh. in. Thank God I was awake. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, I remember I was so mad at her for not locking that door. Um I bet she paid better attention after that. No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Matter of fact, I went in there to tell her about it, and she just rolled over and went back to sleep. Oh my god! She didn't even care. Oh boy! Yeah, yeah. It was wild, and uh, and still to this. Well, I think now finally. I mean, we're you know fourteen, fifteen years into this thing now, and she's kind of got the door locking motion down. Yeah. But the kids are probably still better at it than she is. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. And that was before I owned any guns or anything. And right. Actually, we had two. But see, the gun wouldn't have done you no good because you didn't have it in your hand at the time. Yeah. I mean, well, nowadays, I've got to get a gun behind every door nowadays. Yeah, well, that's. But, but yeah, I mean, it's got, it, you know, guns are one of those things where you got you to have them. Well, for me, it's like the American Express card. I don't leave home without it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh, me too. I just, you know, my, my daughter's the same way. Yeah. I mean, she don't leave home without it. Now, my son, he, I, I, I've always, I've. My my son's a big guy. He's like six two, you know, pretty good guy and pretty decent shape and all. But 
He just doesn't have the defense or the attitude to carry a gun. And I would hate for somebody to take it away from him and use it on him or somebody else. Yeah. So he's better off just to say, hey, look, man, just take what I got, have a good day. You know, and uh, my daughter, on the other hand, she's like me. She's just mean, tough, and I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah. I wouldn't mess with her. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's she's, that's tough because, you know, I like to think that, that my gun is more to to help others not myself like that's kind of the way that i see my gun like right. like you know if i was getting stuck up or something like i'm probably not even gonna use my gun yeah like to me that situation that you get in those are the most terrifying and hardest defense situations when you're face to face and somebody's sticking you up for some money i'm not gonna try to pull my gun i'm gonna let you have whatever if they've I already got. got a gun pulled on you yeah you're gonna be hard pressed to pull yours and do yeah. something to stop them but yeah I don't know, man. That's such a hard decision. I, a I think that decision. I just, I think I would just stay calm and give them whatever the hell they wanted. Now, to me, where my gun comes into play, like I'm, man, I fear going to the movie theaters. Yeah, we are in such a bad society now where you can't go to a movie theater without being scared of getting shot at. And it's not that it happens that often, but one time is enough. School well, shootings, mall shootings, school yeah. shootings. Yeah, and that mall shooting, that one shootings. kid, man. Yeah, one kid that had a gun. Yeah. Took care of the problem. Yep. And and to me, that's why, and that's really why I've always carried a gun. I go into a Walmart and I start thinking, if somebody shoots this place up, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, but never once have I, has it really ever crossed my mind. I don't know how I would handle that, but those are definitely the toughest. Like, even if you train, even when you train, and I yep. train, like I'll train with my gun, train with pulling it, uh, train. And, and those interactions, usually when, when you have those interactions, the most common ones are like face to face, right? You're not even aiming your gun. You're just pulling it out, pulling the trigger. Right. And, and, uh, people that don't, there's a guy we watch on YouTube and he says the best tool you can have. It's not the best gun you can have. It's not the best gear, the equipment, it's your knowledge and your training. That's right. And knowledge uh, and training and muscle memory, it builds muscle memory. That's, that's what teaches you how to react because we all, I, I don't care whether it's fire, fighting fire or pulling a gun as a cop, we all lose our senses. We lose our fine motor skills. Yeah. It's all gross motor skills. Yeah. And if you don't have that down. Yeah. It has to feel like instinct. Yep. If it doesn't feel like instinct, you're as good as dead in, yeah. a, in a really hot situation. It's tough. Yeah. And that's tough to, to, to train for that because it's so hard to train for something that probably won't ever happen. I mean, obviously, in, in your line of work, you're more likely for stuff to happen. But, and even you guys, man, like, gosh, I, these cops that are getting shot on routine traffic stops and stuff, it's just insane. And, it's, it, and it's hard to prepare for that. It, you don't, as law enforcement, as, as in me, myself, I don't want to think everybody's a criminal. Exactly. I stop you because your license plate is expired. Yeah. I'm not thinking you're a criminal. You're, you're yeah. going to shoot me, you know. You're John Q. Public to me. You might be my neighbor, and I just stopped you because your license plate is expired. Yeah. But then we walk up to the cars, and these guys shoot us, or yeah. somebody else shoots at us. Or, I mean, yeah. It's, and then they wonder why we get jaded. Well, I will say this. I'm going to go out and say exactly what I think on this because there's a lot of cops that are just assholes. And every a, profession there for sure, for sure. But the cops stand out because they feel like they're superior to the public. There's some cops that are like this, um, in our small town, they're not like that. They're no. the friendliest and they're just like everybody else, man. Right. Um, but I've had my share of being pulled over by these cops that feel like they're 
like it's almost like they're the judge, you know, yeah. and they and they will judge you. They will uh, talk down to you. They'll write you up for any little infraction that they might think you committed. Like I, I know I've been in the position a few times where. Um, it doesn't happen anymore because now you can get all your insurance stuff on your phone. On your phone. But where I had insurance but didn't have the newest, most updated card in the glove box. Yeah. And they'll write you a thing, and then they're just like, well, you can go to court and take care of it. Well, do you realize what you're doing to somebody when you're when you're you're having them take a whole day out of their work day or whatever they're doing to go to court and do that? But usually, um, you know, the cops that give warnings and the cops that are really out to, like, help the public are the ones that – you know, and those are the ones that change your life, too. They will. They'll and, make a uh, difference. You know, you were talking about judging. Uh, when I went into law enforcement full-time, when I went to work at the jail, I was just a slick sleeve. I was a deputy. Uh, I came to an understanding it was not my job to judge anybody. Uh, the judge, that's his job. Me, God, that's his job. It's not my job to judge. And we had everybody from, from petty crimes all the way up to murder, okay? I didn't judge any of those people. It's not my job. If I was to do that, I'd probably drive myself crazy trying to work that job. So our thing is, is we're supposed to keep the public safe from those people, those people safe from each other while they're in there, yeah, and them safe from the public and supply them what they need. So that's how I looked at my job. And I mean, it was tough to learn not to judge that, you know. Somebody comes in and they're, they've been, um, well, child molestation. They come in for child molestation. Okay, they've not been guilty yet. They're just inmates. They've not yeah. been convicted. And, you know, you hear the stories, you read the reports, and it's hard not to judge that. But I don't want to be found guilty of judging somebody that's, that's right. That's, you know, not to mention that's kind of a, a a more stress more stressful thing that you would carry on yourself and yeah. more of a burden just figuring out what you should think about those people. Yeah. But I will tell you because um, that's probably kind of the mindset of these prosecutors that have to um, you know they have to defend these guys. Yeah, like, man, I I always think about that. I'm always thinking, God, what? Who in their right mind would defend this guy? Right, this guy that and 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 I do think that we are kind of in a I think that we're just too deep in that stuff. We're too deep in, okay, if we can prove that he's legally insane or we can prove that he's legally this, then he won't get the death penalty. These kids yeah. that go in and shoot up these kids in school, kill them. But, you know what I mean? Like My thing is product liability. You go out and you build a widget, okay, and that widget injures or kills somebody. Who's liable? You are, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't we make the lawyers liable for what they do too? Because they know a lot of these guys, they're getting paid buku bucks, and they know a lot of these guys are guilty. Yeah. But they figure out some way to get them off, and when they turn around and redo that crime, shouldn't they be their product liability? <laughs> That's what I kind of mean, though, man. We're just so deep I mean, in this whole law. We're, we're deep in this field of, of is there a loophole? Yeah. Well, and it's almost like we don't even care what's right or wrong anymore. It's what can we make stick. In the in the late 1800s and early 1900s, if you were a 20-year-old cowboy and you seen your buddy go steal a horse and they hung him, would you think twice before you stole that horse? Yeah. <laughs> I know I would. Consequences were yeah, a lot higher. Yeah, I'd be like, uh I'll walk. And they're still that way in other <laughs> countries, man. They'll, yeah. cho they'll chop your hands Hand off, off for, yeah. for doing shit like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, we've, and then, and, and 
I don't know. I don't agree with the court systems. They yeah. put them in there. You get a you get a thirty year sentence, and you have to serve you know fifteen years of that. And oh well, okay, we'll let him out. We've got yeah. to get a better system down to. I know a lot of I know a lot of people say, well, we don't rehabilitate in jail. It makes it worse, which is true. I mean, in prisons all across this country, you can get the same drugs you get off the street. Yeah. But we've got to learn how to control this and change it around to make it work right, and it's going to be tough. Well, in the olden days, they chained them all together and made them clean stuff up. Yeah. What happened to yeah, that? Yeah, chain gang. Yeah, why? You know, like to me, we it's, could— It's inhumane to them. Yeah. It degrades them. It— it uh Good. Uh, it uh, you know breaks them down. It's, it's not not, and it's hot out there. You know. Yeah. We'll have our military boys go over to Afghanistan and dig a trench out there. And, yeah. You know, 140 degree weather, and but, they get broken down yeah, in boot camp and but, everything else. But it don't matter. You know. But we don't, yeah. We don't want poor little Johnny that went to prison for murder and rape to have to get out and dig a ditch yeah, in, in the middle of the heat. It's it's a weird road that we've gone down with that, man. It is. It's just... Uh, and you know, that saved a lot of states money. Cutting the grass, cutting the weeds, all that stuff along the highway. Yeah, digging yeah. Out. That saved, saved the taxpayers. Saved taxpayers. Now, instead of, of saving us money, they cost us more money to feed them and take care of them, and they yeah. don't do shit. And they get better medical care. Yeah, it's wild. I do. It's wild, man. It's, it is wild. It's all, everything's backwards. Yeah. To me, it's all backwards. Everything has went to the point where it's just went flying across the board, and then all of a sudden it just, like a bungee cord, and whipped it around. Now it's all backwards. <laughs> I've got an un a religious uncle, and he said, um, you know, in the times it says in the Bible that, that right will be wrong and wrong will be right. Yeah. And he feels all the time like we're getting to that point. Um, and I, I don't, just, I just heard somebody say that, uh, Sunday, I think that, that term come across Sunday and yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah. Isn't that so true? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. So, you know, let's fix this thing before it gets to that point. Life's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, if people don't start realizing that we, we got severe problems. We're going to. And, um. Gosh, man! I hope people just wake up. I hope wake up. Man. Well, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm an American, hundred percent, and I am so happy to be able to wake up every day in this country. Yeah. Uh, am I ashamed of this country? Yes, yeah. I am. But that doesn't mean I won't defend it or I won't stand up for it. I mean, yeah. if you think point, you're the first patriot America, the, the American has been ashamed of our country. You're yeah, dead uh, wrong. Yeah, I'm dead wrong. <laughs> a, a lot of the greatness has probably been created out of shame in this country. Yeah. A lot so, of our forefathers sure yeah. have rolled over in their graves. All these they? people that, you know, look, you think that when they fought for, why did they fight against slavery? They were ashamed of it. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with being ashamed of what's going on, but it's it's wild, man. Wild times. Wild times. Well, David, man, I appreciate you coming on here. It's been Buddy, fun. I've had a good time. Yeah. Yeah, we had I a little technical it. difficulties starting out. We had some updates and some traffic, and Connor's my... Uh, lead sound engineer back there behind the computer and had to wait for him to get out of school but we finally got it rolling that's awesome i've enjoyed it yeah me too yeah. man well guys please uh comment drop a comment below share this video with your friends and uh, we'll see you on the next one go ahead and cut us loose connor yeah so <laughs>